Good morning and welcome to church. My name is Chase Baker. I'm the family pastor here at Rolling Hills. It's a privilege to be here with you today. We are in, we are in a study um, uh, through the, the life of Abraham. We're doing a character study this summer through Abraham. And um, if you grew up in church, then you've heard of Abraham a lot, right? In fact, there are songs that were sang about Abraham. I don't know if you remember them. Whenever you're a little kid, there are songs like Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham. We're going to go through the whole song, Father Abraham. I mean, I'm kidding. Uh, but we hear that song. If you didn't grow up in church, you're listening to that song right now, and you're thinking, how strange. <laughs> as a second grader, as a third grader, I thought the same thing. Very concrete thinker I was, right? And you're thinking, who's Father Abraham? I thought my dad was Phil. <laughs> and then you're like, and if I'm his son, right, then my mom has a lot of explaining to do. And who are all these brothers and sisters that I have right, right around me? Like, where did they come from? And why do I have to do this in order to be a son of Abraham? I don't know. I'm a concrete thinker. I don't know. There's a lot of questions for me, but to put it in the right context, we begin to understand who Abraham was. He was the father of our faith in Jesus Christ. See, if we follow the line of Abraham, Abraham, through the line of Abraham would be God's chosen people, and through the same line of Abraham would come the Messiah, Jesus, and bring salvation to all, all people. As we go through this study, my prayer for myself has been that it would be a challenge to my faith journey. That Abraham was just a regular guy like you and I. And God called him out to do extraordinary things. And so we have really been trying to ask the question, is there something that God is calling me to? Is there something that God's calling me to be a part of? Is there maybe something that God's calling me away from? To pull away from something? To let go of something? Uh, that's what, this was part of Abraham's story. That all of those things God was calling him to, to be a part of, and maybe away from something. We read in Genesis 12, 2 through 3 is where we're going to start today. We're going to go back a little bit. God gave Abraham a promise, and this is his promise. I will make you into a great nation, I will, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What an incredible picture God is painting on the behalf of, of Abraham. What a big call. Amazing things. God, you're going to bless me. You're going you're gonna to create, um, you're going to bless, have a, my children bless other people. That's amazing. But then there's a but. Have you ever been given a great deal or somebody presented you a great offer, but then they said but? There's always a but statement. And here's what I mean by that. Maybe somebody painted an incredible picture of you hiking up to some beautiful falls. And they say, man, it's, it's, it, whenever you get up there, it's so peaceful. Like you're going to have a sense of accomplishment. And there's going to be an incredible view of the land. You're like, awesome. But you're going to have to hike four miles straight up. Well, that's awesome. Or the time maybe somebody has came to you, and I've, I've done this before. I've gone to somebody and said, hey, I want you to serve with middle school boys. Uh, this is, 
And they, they painted a great picture, right? This is a, such a great age, and I believe it fully. They are so fun. They're moldable. You get to invest in the next generation. You get to eat all the pizza that you want. But you're going to have to be prepared for the smells, for the ADHD, and the raging hormones. Oh, that's a great picture you're painting for me. But here's the point. Every but comes with a cost. Every but doesn't happen without sacrifice. You see, if we're going to experience all that God wants to do in and through us, we can't do that without the but. The but is the sanctification process. You see, that word sanctify means to be made holy. That word holy means to be set apart. So the sanctification process is the process of being set apart. Is that what God is one in and through our lives? Absolutely. He wants us to be holy. He wants to set us apart for his good work. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, in order for you to, to have all of this that I have in store for you, I need you to make a sacrifice. I need you to leave your hometown, all that you've known. Think about that for a second. He's 70 years old at this point in time. God's saying, I want you to go. I want you to leave your hometown because I have something better for you. I have something that I'm calling you to do. I want you to leave. Abraham didn't even know where he was going. God just said, walk. He walked. He was obedient. Abraham understood sacrifice. You and I, we love sacrifice. We love the idea of sacrifice. We love it when people make, have made sacrifices for us, right? Think about the person in your life that has sacrificed the most for you. A parent, a grandparent, a friend, a boss, a co-worker. Who are those people that have invested in you, that have made sacrifices? And maybe these sacrifices aren't necessarily extraordinary. Maybe they sacrificed in very ordinary ways. Maybe it's a time whenever a person helped you, whenever it was inconvenient. Or maybe a time that a person had very little margin, but they, but they allowed themselves to give you a little bit more margin in their lives. Maybe this is a person that um, they, they put some things on hold in order for you to have. Like at this moment, uh, if you're a teenager or you're a kid in the room, I want you to look to your parents and say, thank you. Because I believe this is what your parent has done for you. You see, sacrifice is one of the only ways that we have to shape our future. Here's what I mean by that. We are bargaining in the present for our future. People are investing in us so that we can have a better future, a preferred future. This is what people have done for us, a friend, mom, dad, grandparent, whoever it may be. When someone sacrifices on our behalf, it is so meaningful. What could be more noble? What could be more honoring? We love it when people make sacrifices for us. We even love it whenever we see somebody making sacrifice for somebody else. We love it. It brings tears to our eyes. There's, there's movies that we watch that the, the, the reason why our hearts are drawn to is because this idea of sacrifice. There are books that we read that are all about someone laying down their life or giving up something so somebody else can advance. Like, we love the idea of sacrifice as long as somebody else is doing it. Why? Why is that the case within us? Because it requires something of us. Maybe even something that we hold dear. We also live in a day and age where the word deserves comes up, maybe not in our everyday speech, but it comes up in our thinking. 
You see, as soon as we cross the threshold of deserves, we tend to make less sacrifices. The story that we're going to hear today in Genesis chapter 22 is, is a story of sacrifice. It's an unusual story of sacrifice, but it's one of sacrifice. Uh, Genesis 22 is one of the most well-known Bible stories in all of history. It's, it's, it's a story that there's a lot of controversy around this story because of the nature of what God is asking his servant Abraham to do. So before we jump into this story, let's go back a couple of chapters. In chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abraham. At this point, Abraham was an old guy. He was about 100 years old. Sarah was about 90 years old. They didn't have any children. It's going to take a miracle for them to have a child. And then God gave Abraham a, a covenant, a promise. And he said, go outside your tent, if you can remember. He said, look up at the sky. Count the stars. If indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. That's incredible. But he didn't have children at this point. What, what was he going to do? And you fast forward to chapter 21. And Pastor Nick last week talked about this. There's a miracle that happened. Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's one and only son, was born to them. It was a, it was a the promise fulfilled. It was a miracle that happened. We also see in chapter 21, everything is finally right in Abraham's world. Everything is right. He's finally got his promise, a child. Sarah's happy. He bought a piece of land. He's settling in. He's kind of at the point of retirement. But God says, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. How, how many of us um, may be just waiting for retirement? You're waiting to get back. You're, you're waiting to look. Uh, you're, you're preparing now just to, just to say, okay, I want to get to a point in my life where I'm just comfortable. Where my life is comfortable. And this is what happened. God said to Abraham, I have more for you to do. Abraham, my plan for your life is not to make you comfortable. My plan is to make you more like me. My plan is to use you. My plan is for you to impact other generations. And maybe that's a, that's a strong call for us. And maybe if you're at a point where you're looking, you're looking too far ahead. You're maybe looking towards retirement and God says, no, nah, I, I want to use you in the here and now. Have big plans for your life and I just want you to say yes. Or maybe you're at the age of retirement and God says, I'm not done with you. I, I want to use you to impact generations. It's not just about the present. And so we, then we get to chapter 22. That's where we find ourselves. And what God asked him to do is truly extraordinary. And so we're going to jump into it. Let me pray for us first. Father, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for church. We're thankful for this body of faith. God, I pray that as we read through your word in Genesis 22, that we will be forever changed by it. Your word does not return void. Help us to respond appropriately to what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, Abraham replied, here am I. Abraham was so good at answering God. He, he was like immediate response. And I wonder if this time he wished he wouldn't have answered so quickly before he knew what he was going to say. Now, if you're a parent in the room, prepare your heart. Because this is going to be frustrating to you. 
you're, you're going to be frustrated because of the nature of what God has asked of Abraham. Um, you can feel the pain, the anxiety, and the stress, but let's, let's hold on for a minute. Let's just pause and don't draw any conclusions yet because here's what I believe. I believe God is painting a bigger story for us today. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Hmm. What if God gives you a promise and then he asks you to sacrifice that promise? Because this is what he's doing to Abraham. The thing that God gave him, he's now taking away. Everything for us, if this happened to us, would be in question. But what, is, what does it do for Abraham? What is his response? And let's just first go to Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. If it, that's true, then God's story has to be bigger than our story. God's understanding of what's going on in our lives has to be bigger than what we think and this is what's going on in Abraham's story. As we read through the story, we begin to see the bigger picture that's coming to life. This is not just about Abraham's present life. This is about future generations because this storyline plays itself out throughout Scripture. It really is a great representation of the gospel story of Jesus that Scripture paints from beginning to end. And so that's what we're going to see here in a few minutes Let's continue to read. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, if I'm Isaac, let's all put ourselves in Isaac's shoes. If we are Isaac, I have more questions. Dad, is this some sort of game we're playing? I don't know what's going on. Dad, what are you doing right now? Dad, I'm kind of afraid, but here's what we see. And I want us to, I want us to get, let's not miss it. A Isaac willfully submitted to the will of his father. He willfully submitted to the will of his father. Now, we're going to use that to paint a bigger picture here in a second. But the second point is, Abraham could get his son to do anything. Like, we can't even get our kids to clean the room sometimes. Abraham, we need to take some parenting advice from, from Abraham. But then we move on. This is what we read. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, can you imagine what Abraham is thinking? As a parent, we could probably imagine. We feel it. What about as a servant of God? This is a difficult task for Abraham, right? But remember... 
God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham all along. God has always been faithful to Abraham the whole time. In fact, in Genesis 21 verse 12, he tells Abraham this. It is through Isaac, and this is a chapter before, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Two things Abraham believed. He either believed that God would deliver and, and cause him not to kill Isaac, or he, would, he believed that if he did, that Isaac would be resurrected. It's painting a bigger picture of the gospel story here. Hebrews eleven nineteen says this, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Remember that Abraham also said to his two servants, I don't know if you remember this, we will worship and then we will come back to you. He acknowledged that there are two of us going to go up there and then two of us are going to come back. He knew that, that God had promised to create in him a great nation through Isaac. Here's what sometimes we do. Sometimes we forget that God never makes a promise that he doesn't keep. God never makes a promise that he doesn't keep. This is important to note. And let's look at the bigger picture here. Abraham, the father of many nations, was asked to sacrifice his one and only son. Think about that. Thousands of years later, God would make another covenant or promise through the line of Abraham that through God's one and only son would be the redemption of all people that all nations will be blessed. God would offer Jesus as a sacrifice for the atonement of our sins. Get this, Jesus willfully, willfully submitted to the will of his father, just like Isaac submitted to the will of his father. Jesus willfully made it to the cross, went to the cross, and took on the burdens of sin. Jesus also trusted God in the face of death. Did Isaac? Absolutely. The ultimate sum of the promise, Jesus asked God to take this cup of suffering away. Two things Jesus believed. Jesus believed that either God was going to deliver him or God was going to resurrect his body. Jesus is our ultimate promise. And God does not break his promise. Salvation is through Christ. Like if we're going to hold on, sometimes we forget that God never makes a promise that he doesn't keep. Man, if Jesus is our promise for salvation, we can take that to the bank. That he's going to keep that promise that when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, that eternity awaits us. Salvation awaits us. That when we follow him, that he will see us through. Because Abraham believed in God's promise, this is what happened next. Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I, here I am, he replied. Don't lay a hand on this boy, he said. Do not do anything to him now that I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your, uh, me your son and your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over there, took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Abraham's confidence in God was based on his belief about him. See, our confidence in God is based on what we believe about God. See, Abraham's steps of faith always led him to know and understand that the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. That's a question that we have to ask ourselves, even, even when we are uncertain about our future. 
will the Lord provide? Even when he asks much of us, will he provide? Even when we feel like we're not equipped, will he provide? Even when our marriage is a mess, will he provide? Even when our finances are in shambles, will he provide for us? The question, the question here is not, will he for provide? The question is, will we trust him in order to provide for us? You see, we can't say the Lord will provide if we never give him opportunities to provide for us. We have to be willing to put our trust in him. And this is what I believe Abraham and Sarah did with their lives. We could see it in their actions. They really truly believed God, God would provide for them. His provision for, for them was not in question. How do we know that? Because of their actions. And we read in verse 15, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, and because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the city of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Because, why? Because you have obeyed me. You have obeyed me. See, we, we obey because we believe. We obey because we believe. We believe that the Lord will provide. We believe that when we make sacrifices in our faith, the Lord is pleased and will provide. We believe that when we make faith a priority in our families and we rearrange our calendars around that faith priority, that the Lord is honored and the Lord is pleased and the Lord will provide. We believe that when we use our gifts, talents, and abilities to serve the church, that God will use us, he will bless us through it, and he will provide and equip us for his good work, which requires sacrifice on our part. Obedience comes before sacrifice. And sacrifice is a result of our obedience. Let me, let me break it down. Obedience is doing what somebody tells you to do, right? We get that. But here's what sacrifice is. Sacrifice is giving up something as a result of that obedience whether it be time, money, our abilities, our talents, whatever that may be. See, every but costs something. Every but happens. It doesn't happen without sacrifice. And this is what's happening even in the life of, of Abraham and even in our own life. Ultimately, my prayer is that we begin to understand the purpose of sacrifice. I, I do believe that one of the purposes of sacrifice, it, it reminds us, of the greatness of the sacrifice that Jesus did for us. That we as people, when we sacrifice for our faith, it's only a reminder to point to Jesus and say, thank you. Thank you for, for what you've done for me. Thank you for going to bat on my behalf when you didn't have to. Like that's sacrifice. And it reminds us, I, that's why I think sacrifice is so important. You may be thinking, ways that it applies to you individually. Maybe in your mind right now you're thinking, okay, what, what about my personal time with the Lord? And that's incredible. That's awesome. Like you need to be processing through those things. What does it mean for, for me to wake up every day and just spend time with, with my heavenly father? What does it mean to, um, to restructure my family schedule? That's awesome. What does it mean for my hobbies and reprioritizing things for me? That's great. But what about corporately? What about us as a church family? What does it mean for us? See, we believe Scripture is really clear in regards to the community of faith and sacrifice. 
the Lord's calling us to use our gifts to build up the church. That's a command. This is why we have a ministry fair today on the gallery. This is why you, when you walk in, you saw these purple balloons. You saw walls that represent different ministry areas. This is why we're doing that. We believe that, that all of us have gifts that we can use to build up the church. You see, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about us being the body of Christ. If you are a Christian and you, you uh, consider yourself being a part of a, the, the church community, you are part of this body. And, and Paul writes, he says, if there are different kinds of gifts represented in our bodies, and we need all of those gifts to work properly. We use our gifts for the common good of all people. We are all better together. That's the picture that Paul paints for us. That's the story that he's writing in the church. And get this, the church is the one way that we can display the love, grace, and unity of Christ followers to the outside world. We live in a day that desperately needs the church, church family to pull together and say, we are in this together, we are unified, and we're going to build each other up. The outside world needs to see that happen. See, I, I love our church family. I love everything that, that we represent. I love the vision that God gave Pastor Jeff 15 years ago. This January, we're going to celebrate our 15-year anniversary. That's incredible. And, I, you know, the, one of the things that, uh, that really drew me to Rolling Hills, and I, I jumped on the bandwagon of believing in the vision here, is to reach out to reach our communities, to reach our neighbors, to reach the world for Christ, to grow up, to grow up in our faith through the studying of God's word and through through the use through the uh, through the um, through our through serving and using our gifts in that way and and giving all, investing back in the ministries um, of the church and, and God's church. I believe in that, and we have people here all over the place that are you know serving right now that believe in the same vision. Just think for a moment, your experience. Maybe the first time you experienced coming to Rolling Hills, you made your way down Columbia Avenue, and from a distance you see a dancing police officer. <laughs> what? And maybe, yeah. It, like, here's the thing. Officer Collins is incredible. We see him on Sunday mornings, and how many of you smile about his service? Like everybody in the room, Yes. We love Officer Collins. He not only can dance, but he can direct traffic really well. Like, that's awesome. And then you pull into the parking lot, and you're greeted by this parking team who are there. It's cold. Rain, shine, there's snow outside. They are there. They're literally our first impressions. You may have um, noticed that we've had more people coming, and that's really awesome. And we want to welcome those people. We don't want that, that process to be as smooth as possible and welcoming. They get the vision. You walk inside to a welcoming committee made up of volunteers who have smiles on their faces. They're saying hi. They're giving handshakes. They're giving you hugs. I mean, that's the culture uh, of Rolling Hills. That's the culture of our church. They genuinely are happy that you're here and want to answer any questions that you have. I hope that's been your experience. And I would say, yes, it has been. You know, sometimes I think we forget. If you've been a char part of a church on a regular routine, you forget what it looks like to not be. Maybe um, this is somebody's first church experience coming in, in here. And we want to create an environment that's very welcoming and say, we want you here. 
We believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We believe the gospel is for you. That the gospel changes lives. We believe that. Then you look around and you notice some guys who look like they're in the, CIA, the secret service. Like this. I don't know if you noticed those guys. There's, they're, they're our security team. And we love our security team. And uh, our security team, actually, there may be some of you sitting in the room right now. You don't even know. This person may be sitting right next to you. You don't even know their own security team because they're stealthy. They're awesome. <laughs> they're that good. They're here to protect us and keep us safe, all volunteers. Then you have our ushers who are welcoming in frazzled parents who just dropped off their kids. And some of your kids may be crying and you're dropping them off and they're welcoming you, you into the room trying to help you find a seat because you, you don't know where you're at. Or maybe there's the family ministry volunteers. I love our family ministry volunteers. Um, these, are, these are the guys that, that want to invest in the next generation, that believe when they disciple your kids, when they partner with you as a parent, that means we are creating stronger families. Like we believe in that. We go to preschool space and you see uh, something like this where they're leading worship with preschoolers and they're giving high fives, they're knowing names, they're teaching these little guys that God made them, that God loves them, and Jesus wants to be their friend forever. Then you go to kids' ministry space and you have small group leaders who are doing the same thing, knowing names, giving hugs, making sure they're asking them about their week. How has your week been? And they're, they're helping them understand that um, God wants them to treat others the way that they want to be treated, to, to make the wise choice that they could trust God with their lives. Like that's what's happening in the small group areas right now. Then we go to middle school. And middle school, wow, they are trying to discover their identities. And, and typically what happens, they look at the outside world and says, how can I discover my, my identity based on what somebody thinks and feels about me? And what they're trying to do is say, no, no, no. Your identity can be found in Christ, in Christ alone. Like that's the picture that we want to paint. And we go to high school ministry. In high school, they're kind of at this next stage where they're, we're trying to equip them to go out. We're trying to let them activate their faith, trying to own their faith before they leave our ministry, before they leave your home. That's the idea of partnering. And so teachers are in those small group classrooms encouraging. You know, maybe sometimes getting a late night phone call. Maybe sometimes just coaching them through some hard times in their lives. We believe in serving so much that whenever a, a high school student or middle school makes a transition to high school, that eighth to ninth grade year, we say, when you hit ninth grade, we're going to put you in a ministry area to serve. We believe in it that much. We believe that, that you, we teach our high school students that you have are just as much a part of the church body as anybody else. We want you to find and discover your gift. That when we send you off, you know where you fit. You, we know, you know where you belong. That whenever your church you go to, you don't have to try to figure it out. You can go straight up to somebody and say, I can serve. I know my place. I can use my gifting. I'm a part of the church body. We want that for our teenagers. So you come into the service and and you have these people who are incredibly talented, who are gifted, who are giving their time, who are leading us in worship through inspired worship. Really, they're incredible. And then you have guys on the, the, the cameras and the tech crew who are making this experience um, for us amazing. And, and not just for us in the room. But let's think about the people on the other side of the cameras online. Welcome. 
they're making it great for them as well so that we can bring church to the outside world. All that to say, all this is ran by volunteers. People who believe in the vision. These guys are rock stars on our behalf. Thank you. Thank you for giving your time. Thank you for investing in this way. All that to say, we are better together. We believe that when we make sacrifice, it not only grows our confidence in God, but it also honors Him. God might be calling you to make sacrifices today. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe, um, maybe for you, it's simply just saying yes to Jesus for the first time. And for years, you've been ignoring the call. And you're finally done ignoring. And you want to say yes to the call that He has just for salvation that finally you're coming to the point where you're believing in the promises of God, that he never makes a promise that he doesn't keep. And you're going to choose to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I want to trust him. I want to follow him in my life. I want to put my faith in him. He holds my salvation, my eternity. Maybe that's you, or maybe you're on the breaking point of your marriage, and it's going to take a radical sacrifice in order for you to, to save it. Or maybe... You want to say yes to serving today. There's good news. You can respond today and you don't have to wait. You can walk right back out these doors. And there was walls set up. There's people waiting for you to go and ask the question, how can I serve? How can I jump in? How can I participate in this body? And here's the thing. Let's overwhelm them. Let's overwhelm them. Let's make them nervous that there's crowds of people approaching me and I don't know what to do. I'm just handing out cards and it's going to create work for our staff. That's okay. I don't have to do it. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I will gladly follow up. I will gladly send emails and call this week knowing that you want to jump in and serve and be a part. It requires sacrifice. It costs something. Every but costs us something. Every but doesn't happen without sacrifice. And I, I get it. This is a big but. No pun intended. That we are asking a lot. I get it. But my prayer for us today is that we would come to a point where we would understand that God is pleased when we make sacrifices on His behalf. This is not for me. This is not for Laura. It's not for Pastor Jeff. This is for our sanctification process and to make us holy. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for all that you're doing in and through your church. Most of all, we're thankful for your son, Jesus. That the only reason why we get to do what we do today, the only reason why that we get to, to be here in corporate worship and, and sing about how great you are is because of Jesus. Because you change lives and we've been benefactors of it. God, we also pray that we would answer the call to sacrifice. We'd answer the call to maybe service. God, we even pray for, for those in the room this morning who are just here for the first time, or just trying to figure out this, this whole church thing. God, we pray, pray that you would move in a special way in their hearts to help them see that we are in this together. We want to rally around and make sure they understand that, that they have a place here in the church. God, we love you. We're grateful for this time together. Spe continue to speak to us as we dwell on your word. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Brad King. I'm Holly King. We've been serving for the past two years. Uh, we teach kindergarten on Main Street. Originally, we started thinking about how can we kind of give back, and knowing that people were giving up their Sunday mornings teaching our children and feeling that pull that we wanted to do the same and really feeling like, you know, they're not going to want us in their classroom for much longer. Uh, let's take advantage of having them in an age group where they're proud that we're their teachers and they get to see us in there and we, we hear, you know, that's my mom, that's my dad, and, and they're just, you see the smiles on their faces and how proud they are that we're there. What I love about serving is obviously connecting with the kids, getting to know them. I love connecting with their parents, forming genuine friendships that have carried now for the two years. Um, and I love teaching books of the Bible and then seeing them be able to remember those um, it just brings joy to my life, and I know it enriches their life, too. Our children love to come into our classroom and help us with our things, and I, I really hope that it inspires a whole new generation of giving back and loving to be a part of the church body, um, whether it's through Sunday school class or VBS or camps or whatever, that it's a lot of fun to connect not only with your own, own children, but the church body.